Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We'll let this rock for a little bit. Okay, we're back, we're back, we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 129, 129, episode 129. I am your humble, I'm your humble host, Isaiah Kitt. I am the host of the Isaiah Kitt podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to all the first-time listeners. Welcome back to all the listeners that, you know, if you're just now, if you just now bumped into this podcast, welcome, welcome on aboard. If you've been listening since day one, Welcome back. Welcome back. How's the temperature out there? How's the weather? Wherever you are in D.C., it's pretty nice today. I uh, can't really complain. Healthy and wealthy. Hope everybody out there is safe. Now, we got a lot to get into. We got the, we, you know, we, the NBA, it's been, you know, the, the NBA had a big, big weekend. And... Nothing happened, like, basketball-wise. Nothing happened. Nothing happened in basketball. Like, as far as shooting hoops and drilling the ball, nothing happened. But the NBA had a big weekend. The NBA had a huge weekend. Um, I'm getting mixed comments from players, you know, hey, you you got your younger players saying, like, hey, we want to play. Then you got your, you know, your veterans that have something to prove that still have some things to, you know, to kind of get... You know, they're trying to legacy. This is about their legacy. They say they want to play, you know. And then we have Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving now saying, hey, Kyrie Irving was the first to come out and say, hey, maybe we should rethink this. And maybe we should not be playing, given the fact where we are in in society, as far as racial issues and systemic racism with black people. And Dwight Howard came right along and echoed the same sentiments. Now, before I, because that's the big story. That's the main story around the league. That's the main story. But before I get to that, before I want, before I attack that or get on that point, um, all through since we since the NBA came out and said, hey. We're, 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 we're pausing the season. Since they came out and, and you know, paused the season, they, they stopped the season. Since then, I have been talking about and I have been keeping in track and in order what steps certain leagues have been taking. And I think, I think this is needless to say, but out of the NBA, the NFL... NHL, MLB, college football, so forth, MLS, any anything. I you, you would probably you would probably think that hey, or you would probably say or think or guess the NBA has been hit the hardest by what's been happening with first COVID nineteen. Okay. And I and I've been chronological. I've been keeping you know chronological order of how bad or not going to say how bad, but how rough the NBA season has been. This has been a rough year for the NBA, 
And I've been keeping, I've been like, I've been really keeping in track, keeping up to date what's going on, as I should, because it's my job. But they are having a rough year. And throughout this process, this is why this is why I think the NFL has been doing a better job. And I've been I've, I've been echo I've been saying this. This is kind of repetitive, and I, I don't want to make it too long. I don't want to make it too long, but I do want to acknowledge it. But hey, like this, I've been saying this. But hey, I've been saying this. The NFL, they have since you know it's not as player uh, the players. Like, the NBA players are outspoken. The NBA players, they come out and they speak. And certain ones, certain NBA guys have certain or different ideas. You know, Kyrie, I, you would probably, I mean, amongst the stars in the NBA, you would, Kyrie is amongst one of those individuals in the league that comes out and he talks and he, he tells you how he's thinking. And sometimes... Or most of the time, we somewhat the media and fans and the internet and social media, we kind of question it. You know, the media judge it. The, the internet plays with it and joke with it. Because Ky- when, Ky- when, when Kyrie says certain things, it's like, oh, yeah, they go Kyrie again. But with this, first, I want to say, with the NBA returning back to Orlando, if if it, if there's a play and before and I before, I want to say this before I make my comment, if there's any player that is hesitant due to health reasons or via COVID nineteen reasons, I understand why you would not want to take that risk or sacrifice, because that is what I've been talking about. That, that that I mean that's a main point of mine as far as baseball. The players are actually taking the risk. Usually, there's owners, you know, owners in sports, in any sport, owners take a financial risk because they're paying you, they're paying the athletes. But now, with this, with the tables have turned, and this is not financially, this is a health risk. The leverage should be play, it should be pro. I'm pro. I'm pro player. So if there's any NBA player that's out there that's worried about or you know that that, that don't want to take that risk or or is hesitant about taking that risk as far as COVID nineteen or any health reasons, exclude yourself from this. Because with Kyrie and Dwight, I absolutely love. What they're saying as far as racial racial issues and systemic racism in America, and then with and then with the recent events, the protests, the the the, the, no, the police brutality, um, just with the re- with just all, everything that's been going on since I don't know since the last three weeks, not even including COVID nineteen, but as far as social issues in society. For the last what three weeks, and then you can you can probably go back and you can think back to Ahmaud Arbery, and then Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd, and then there was another case of police brutality that has to be addressed. And protesters have been protesting all throughout this country and all throughout this world. 
And I like the fact that Kyrie and Dwight, they want to use their platform. They want to use the, the things that they are accessible to that some of us just aren't. But that should not be a reason why they don't play. Kyrie, he's not even playing anyway. He's not playing anyway. And with him being in Brooklyn, with playing with the Nets, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, come on. Then if when they go down to Orlando, they make the playoffs or whatever, but they they are not gonna they're not gonna be in the playoffs long. They're not gonna be down in Orlando long. But that should not be a reason. Systemic racism racism should not be a reason why NBA players don't play. Because if that was the case, uh, systemic racism just, it, it just didn't, like, this thing has been going on for years, like, forever. Like, systemic racism just, it didn't just start in 2020. So if you if 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 people if black people were to skip out on work due to systemic racism, people people would so many black people would be out of jobs. So many people so many black people would be out of jobs. <laughs> you think the unemployment rate is crazy now? <laughs> if black people were to skip out on work because of systemic racism, there would be so many people, there would be so many black people without jobs. Because this has just been what we have endured, with grandparents have endured, with great-grandparents have endured, with great-great-great-grandparents have like <laughs> this thing is it's not a laughing matter, but this thing is a generational thing. This just like systemic racism just didn't start in 2020. Just it, it didn't start in 2000. This thing has been around. It didn't start 20 years ago. No, this is more like a 400, 500-year thing. Not 20 years. Or it just didn't start this year. So, I understand, yes, go out there and and no higher-ups within the NBA, the commission, Commissioner Silver, he hasn't prohibited protesting. So, you can protest. But I think, and also, I mean, hell, Let's do this. One can make the argument. If the players do go out and play, that it would give them, they already have a big platform, but if they were to go out and play, that would give them, that would heighten, that would enhance their, their platform. That would, that, that would enhance their platform tremendously. And then you think about the back end of the and it's and I'm I'm, I'm going to get to the financial side of it because we all know how if you don't know financially the NBA and and a majority of its players financially would not agree with this stand. But that's not the that's that that's not the main focal point. Or that's not my main focal point, rather. But you, 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 but, but with with Kyrie, and I'm not saying it's not a bad. It's it, what he's bringing up is a bad idea. I think it's a, it, it, it's very much an idea, and another door opening. But with if you play, or if players were to go out and play, that would en, that would enhance their platform. That would make their already pretty significant platform even bigger, because you're on a bigger stage and you're playing. 
Now, just forget about the fact where I, 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 at this at this moment in time, forget about the fact that it's for entertainment. Basketball, the NBA, all these NFL, MLB, all for entertainment. But just think about it from an aspect of enhancing your platform. Your platform would obviously grow because there's a lot of people watching and people will watch. <laughs> people will watch. Now, financially, and also, and also protesting, I get it. Protesting, we, we protest, we march, we protest, we march, and it's really significant. And it's been and when you and when you peacefully protest, even I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. But when you put when you peacefully protest, when you peacefully protest, you know it's fine. It's all good and gravy. But those are great. Those are good starting actions. But we need more. We need like you need actions. Like with the white man, you know I I I I I, uh, I I let me say this. I appreciate. White people saying, coming out and saying, hey, we need to do this, do this, do this, and do that. Like Drew Brees, the, his, his social media, the, like the post on IG, that post that he made on IG apologizing to people, uh, I could tell that his publicist did that. And that picture, mm, kind of foolish. But the video apology with Brees, and within that, and within the social media apology, he talked about doing some things. He wants to lay down some actions. He gave some suggestions to politicians. We, that, those are the type of actions that we need. So I'm cool with the peacefully protesting because that, that, that's a step. That's a first step. That's one of the first steps. But we need legislations and laws passed. Those are the type of actions that I'm talking about. When I, when, when I addressed Drew Brees last week in his Apology about his tone deaf comments. I said, okay, tone deaf, yes, he was. I addressed what he said. And now he threw out suggestions. So now I want to see actions via Drew Brees. I want to see actions, not just Drew Brees individually, but him himself came out and said, hey, we should do this, we could do this, we could do that. Well, now I want to see him. That's all. Now, now I want to see him. And we need actions. We're in need for actions. So now let's let's shift on to the financial standpoint of the whole situation. Because as I expected, just about so I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna do you a better favor than this. So I saw what Ed, Ed Davis, he's a he's a he's a He's a big man. He's a center for the Jet, for the Utah Jazz, and this is what Ed, this is what Ed Davis had to say. It's easy for Kyrie, and this is regarding he, he. Ed Davis is against sitting out. If you don't know, he's against sitting out, and he and he said this. It's easy for it's easy for Kyrie to say that he'd give everything back, but would he really give everything back? It's easy for Dwight to say when we don't need to play, when he's in his when he's in his Atlanta. Mansion that's worth twenty million dollars. If we don't play, I honestly think I honestly think there's a chance that we won't play next year. I talked about that last last week on the last episode. There were eighty guys on the call, and ten who spoke of the guys who spoke. Ten of the guys who who spoke 
It was 50-50. Only half said that we might take a stand. Guys, are, guys speaking up are set up financially. They made so much money in their career, they can miss a year. If I don't play another game, I'm still going to be fine. So, and then he talked about the Jazz, and with the Jazz, they saying the Jazz, you know, he, most everybody on the Jazz want to play. And that's my point. Because Ed Davis is not the only player that feels that way, and I'm sure that's not, he's not the only player that's saying or echoing those same sentiments. It, it, 80% of the NBA, so I saw this, 80% of the players in the NBA are living like, you know, according to C.J. McCollum, he, you know, he said about 80, according to C.J. McCollum, he said about 80% of the players living paycheck to paycheck. So, and, 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 that, and that, you know, that relate, obviously that relates to what Ed Davis said. God, Kyrie Irving is scheduled to make $31 million this year. Dwight Howard has been, a, a, he has been a premier all-star in this league and has been in this league for a while and has made, and he's made millions of dollars. You have your guys like LeBron James who are, who are set financially. You have guys, Chris Paul, who are veterans and have made millions. And LeBron, has he, he's already stated he wants to play. He wants to play. LeBron has already said he wants to play. And I'm going to touch bases on that and, what that, and what, what that means. Because that means a lot. With LeBron saying he's going to play, that means a lot. But I'm going to touch bases on that later. But 80% of the NBA can't relate. When I was talking about COVID-19, you, I mean, you would think, you know, NBA players, they make good money. They, of course, they make great money. But guys like Kyrie Irving, if you compare Ky, a guy like Kyrie Irving and a, a, a bench player on just a team, Kyrie Irving, says he's made, he's made a significant amount more money than that bench guy. And Kyrie is scheduled to make $31 million. Kyrie, has, he, also, he, he also has his own shoe. He has endorsements. So when people, when like, you know, of course, the players that's, that's financially settled are obviously going to say, oh, yeah, we can, yeah, you know, we, if, if, if we're going to take a stand, it would not hurt my pockets financially because, hey, I've made millions. But there's players out there, when I was talking about COVID-19, I want to refute back to my point. When I was talking about COVID-19, I was like, there's very few guys in the league or there's a, there's a percentage, there's a good percentage of the players in the league that don't have access to gyms in their homes. Some players don't. Some players are renting. Some players live in, 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 in condos. Some players on rookie deals. Jason Tatum, he said it. Jason Tatum's a star in this. He's a young star in this league. But... He, he doesn't have a house with a basketball. Who he don't have he don't have all the necessary things for him to work out and stay in shape in his home. He doesn't have that equipped in his home, and and that's what I was talking about. Quinn Cook throughout the quarantine, he had to run laps around his condo because he he didn't have all the accessibility like some of these other guys in the league. Which is a very, which is a small percentage. He didn't have access to 
staying in shape and on a basketball gear that he would usually have, you know, that, that he would usually be, you know, that he would use in the training facility. Didn't have that. And there's a small percentage of guys in the league that have, that, that's financially first, that's financially set. But then aside from that, there's a small percentage of the players in the league that had, that's a, that has those things accessible to them. So, you, you, you know, socially, I get the stance. I, I, I'm not, I, I understand the stance and I, I, I agree with the stance. But not playing due to systemic racism in this country is not, it, I don't think that should be an excuse for you not to show up. You can also, with the money that you're, when you play, this is not, and like, like I said, this is not just for Kyrie, but with the money that you make when, you know, when you actually play the games, when you play basketball, which you actually get paid for, you can give monies to, to donations that's, that's out there that's with the same cause, that's against systemic racism. There's more than one way to skin the cat. You don't have to be, you, all, you don't always have to be there physically in the physical. You can, you, you can, they, players that are playing, that, you know, they got to focus on playing, they can give monies away to donations. I mean, to, you know, there's so many donations you can give to now in so many companies that stand or that's, you know, that's, you know, that's with, that's providing the same cause, that stands with the same cause that you're standing for. Give, give to them. If you want to, that's what I'm saying. There's, I think, I just think there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I think just off the base, the basic narrative and notion that, hey, you know, systemic racism is a problem in this country. We need to change it right now. And we should not be playing because of it. I don't think that should be a reason why you're not playing. I don't think that should be a reason why you're not playing because it's not like this is nothing new. In the like, this is nothing new in the sky. It's just a really big headline right now, due to all of the events that's been happening, that's been translating for the last for the last three weeks. But this has always been a big a, a, a big target, a big talking point within the world. P- police brutality, systemic racism. Give money to companies and donations that stand with that same exact cause. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm going I'm to I'm take a quick break. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back right after the quick break. Thank you. I got a Ford Mustang. It drives well. Got it for graduation, actually. Ford's unique family heritage, manufacturing excellence, and history of innovation is continuing to further the brand. Ford is also introducing new customer service actions aimed at making vehicle ownership easier and hassle-free. So go get your Ford today. Forward, go forward. Okay, so as far as like how like how much LeBron has like how significant LeBron impact is, it's real significant in the NBA, real significant. If he's playing, then like Patrick Beverly said on throughout Twitter, then like if he's playing, everybody else is gonna play. But then um so and then you know people are talking about LeBron doesn't speak up on political. He hasn't you know he needs to speak up on political issues. I'm like whoa whoa, whoa. Antonio. They, Antonio Daniels made a comment, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He has to speak up on political issues? 
I was like, LeBron, he's the he's the guy that does it. He has action. He has a plan, actually. And um, and, and that's what I was talking about in the previous segment. In the previous segment, I, that's all I was talking about. That's all I was saying. We, we, if you're gonna if you're gonna put out such a statement, and you know Kyrie and you know uh, Dwight Howard and you know whoever whatever players have followed or follow suit um, after those statements, I I just want a plan. I I want a plan that's gonna lead to actions. I want a plan that's gonna lead to actions. So uh, let's shift gears. Uh, I just want to you know talk about that a little real quick, just real quick. Let's shift gears to the NFL. So. We have uh, Jerick Stedham. Jerick Stedham. I've been saying this all along about um, about about New England, and people don't believe me. People are like, "Oh, you're hating." I'm like, "No, I'm not hating. Uh, I like I like I like the Patriots. I, I was never like a you know I, you know I know a, a mass majority of the country didn't like the Patriots and hate the Patriots. Uh, I don't have that type of hate because I like me personally. I like dynasties. I like to see dominance." I like to see dominance over years, uh, and that's what New England was uh, over two decades. Um, so it's not me hating on the Patriots or me not liking the Patriots. I, I, I like Belichick. I like Brady. I like Brady even in a Tampa Bay uniform. doesn't matter. But we don't know what Jerick Stidham is. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what Jerick Stidham is. And uh, poll after poll after poll after poll – you have you have countless rankings. You know, Pro Football Focus have been coming out with their rankings of you know just just uh, just an array of categories. They've been coming out with their rankings. Uh, you know, Bleach Report they came out with their rankings. They rank they rated Jerick Stidham as the worst starting quarterback in football, and still we have people saying, "Oh, New England will be fine. New England will be fine." New England, yeah, they, 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 yeah, we don't know what Jerick Stidham is. This is what they're saying. This is what, this is what people are saying. We don't know what Jerick Stidham is. And, you know, the Patriots' offensive weapons, uh, not good. No, they have no playmakers on the outside. But you know what? They still win 10 games. And, and I'm, I'm look, I, I look at their roster. I look at their roster. I look at their schedule. I look at how, how much, how better how better their their defense their division got their division got so much better buffalo buffalo was a playoff team last year buffalo was on the edge of beating new england both times last year buffalo added stefan Diggs. they they buffalo retained all of their coordinators continuity miami obviously i we you know on this podcast i've been talking about the miami dolphins just about for the entire offseason and, and every move that they have made, they have got better, especially on defense. And they drafted a quarterback in Tua. So, you know, there's high hopes for him and high aspirations, of course. And then even the Jets, uh, not so high on the Jets, but they got a little better, improving O-line. And I'm going to talk about the Jets actually next. I'm going to talk about Sam Donald and the Jets next. But uh, New England... When you when, when people say oh New England be just fine because they have Belichick, uh, no, I I don't think so. I and I, I you know I you you can look, go back and listen to my predictions. I did um, I think I, I think my I think I did my predictions about a month ago, about a month or two ago. Uh, you can go back and listen to my predictions. I say seven and nine, seven and nine. Uh, best case scenario maybe eight and eight, but I, I I'm I'm really I'm I'm okay with seven and nine, maybe even six or ten, six or ten. Because you look at their look at their schedule, look at their roster. 
first, so look at the quarterbacks that they play. Like out of all the game, out of all the New England games that's scheduled this year, what who is Jerry Stidham better than that that New England's playing? And I know you can say, oh, great defensive mind, Belichick, great defense in New England, but who, which quarterback is he better than? He, he's not better than Josh Allen. Got to pay him twice. He's not better than Sam Donald. Got to pay him twice. Tua may start. Ah, uh, I think Tua. We, I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree that Tua may be the better quarterback at this at this juncture. They play Kansas City. I think uh, obviously they played Seattle. They 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 have a they play San Francisco. They have a really tough schedule. Besides the point that the division has gotten better, New England didn't get better. <laughs> like these are all like I, I don't know why. These is as far as going into the NFL season. I think this is um I think this predicting the Patriots outcome is I think it's it, it's obvious. I think it should be one of the most obvious outcomes and predictions and you know if they go 7 and 9 and I turn out to be right I I you know I I'm not going to think of that as like a, as a bold prediction because look at it. Look look I mean just think about it. Yeah, they went 12 and 4 last year, but they still had Brady. They went 12 and 4 and they had a good defense and they still had Brady. But get this, Brady still struggled. They didn't win a playoff game. They you can tell all throughout last year even though they was winning a lot of games, New England wasn't quite itself. It wasn't quite Itself, it wasn't New England as you saw in the postseason. But get this: look at all the moves that have transpired throughout the offseason. <laughs> just about, just about every team in their division got better, and you can make the case that Buffalo was the better all-around team last year, and Buffalo got better. And their quarterback is much younger, and the quarterback is much talented, and he has more weapons to play with. On offense, he has more playmakers on offense. They added Stephon Diggs, so you take into account that his there, but that New England's uh, division got better. The AFC East got better. You take into account, okay, the AFC East got better. Did New England get better? Well, no, they didn't get better. They are just older, and now they're becoming, uh, uh, you know, some of the guys on defense are becoming a bit expensive. So when you look at, when, you know, did New England get better? No, they didn't add any offensive playmakers. Oh, yeah, they lost their Hall of Fame quarterback, Tom Brady. They lost guys on defense. And they're still expensive, and they, getting, they got guys that's getting older. So they didn't get better as a team. They didn't get better as a team. So I don't know why it's so hard for, you know, for people to predict, hey, New England can go 7-9 this year. I, you know, I still see people saying, hey, New England still going to win 10 games. And I'm like, how? I'm like, how? And I know we love Bill Belichick, and I know he's a great mind, but check this out. Chuck Noll, right? Chuck Noll won four Super Bowls with Pittsburgh. He won four Super, Bowl with Pitt- four Super Bowls with Pittsburgh in the 1970s. You right? Okay. Terry Bradshaw was the, he was the quarterback of those teams. He won four Super Bowls. The first 20 games of Chuck Noll's career in Pittsburgh, he went 3-17 without Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw arrives on the scene. Terry Bradshaw wins four Super Bowls, and uh, Chuck Noll is a legendary coach. He's a top ten coach of all time. After Terry Bradshaw retires, Chuck Noll never wins ten games again. Okay, you don't. Okay, you don't believe me. Okay, okay, you don't believe me. 
Okay, recent history. That's too old for you guys. Some some, some of you listeners, you, you know, you probably wouldn't even thought about. Your parents probably wasn't even born. Some for some of you listeners. But hey, Pete Curl, take this. Pete Curl got fired two times. Pete Curl just just the USC the USC job. Pete Curl had a below below record below five hundred record. And then he drafts Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson turns out Russell Wilson is the man. All of a sudden, Pete Curl is looked at looked upon as one of the best college and pro coaches of all time. Mind you, Pete Curl got fired twice. Pete Curl had a rec- he had a he had a below five hundred record. Russell Wilson gets drafted by the Seahawks. Russell Wilson saves Pete Curl. Russell Wilson wins Pete Curl's Super Bowl, and they should have two Super Bowls, but that's a whole different conversation. Okay, and then you okay? So you're saying they're not Belichick? You're saying you're probably saying, well, those coaches are not Belichick. Belichick is a great defensive mind. Okay, Belichick's a great defensive mind. All right, okay, okay. Well, get this: in Cleveland, New England, this is Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady or before Tom Brady, forty-one and fifty-seven. That's Bill, that's the great, you know, we I, and I like Bill Belichick. I think he's a great coach. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. I think he's a great defensive mind. But the quarterbacks are the main, as you can see, you need a quarterback to win in this league. The quarterbacks are the main callous in the league. If you want to win big in this league, you got to have a quarterback, and you got to have a good one. <laughs> you got to have a good one. This, I mean, that's, that's Belichick's record. In Cleveland and Miami. Now, you guys tell me, hey, my, you, you, you guys tell me, Belichick is a great defensive mind. He's a great coach. And all that he is. But those great defenses in New England wasn't enough to get him over the hump. Cleveland. His record in Cleveland and New England before Tom Brady, 41-57. and 57. Even the great Bill Belichick needs a solid quarterback. He needs a good quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that. Quarterbacks are the they're, they're the catalyst for these type of things. They, they, you need if you want to win a Super Bowl, you gotta have this. This gotta be checked off your box. <laughs> I talked about it last week. Who are you gonna start your franchise with? I well, I, I'm starting mines with a quarterback. I, I you get you must have that start. You, you gotta build around a star quarterback. It, it, it's no getting around that. Andy Reid. And, I mean. I can remember, I can remember just like recently, Andy Reid used to receive a lot of heat because like, oh, his his offense doesn't, his play calling, it doesn't work in the playoffs. It doesn't work in the big games. Andy Reid can't win the big games. All of a sudden, Andy Reid is like, Andy Reid, and he's always been a great offensive mind. Even his days in Philly, he's always had really high productive offense offenses and high pro- and high octane offenses. So this is nothing new under the sun for Andy Reid and him having a really good offense and, and, and him having a really potent offense. I'm not talking about his offensive ability, but people used to call Andy Reid overrated. <laughs> now now Andy Reid is now Andy Reid is one of the greatest offensive play call how? How? Oh, cuz he, he he got Patrick Mahomes. He, he, you know, he, it was no more Alex Smith and Donovan McNabb, and no disrespect to those guys because those guys are those guys were solid quarterbacks. Those were, those were, those, were, those were pretty good quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes, talent wise, is on a different level. It's just on a different level. John Harbaugh in, in, in Baltimore, 
Missed the playoffs a couple back. He he missed the playoffs back to back years, a couple years. John Harbaugh was on, he was just on the high seat. He gets Lamar. He starts Lamar. He plays Lamar. <laughs> two two you know two back to back seasons going to the playoffs. Won the division last year. Has the best roster in football this year. Now John Harbaugh is a top five coach in the league. Hey, <laughs> it, 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 it's mighty. You, it's mighty funny how certain things work out and pan itself out because you got, you gotta have the quarterback thing situated. If you don't have the quarterback, if you don't have like the quarterback thing situated, if you don't have that whole in place, if you don't have that, like that, if you don't have that solution, you're not you're not gonna win games. You're not gonna win games in this league. You're not gonna win games in this league. I don't. You know, you can be you can be a great. X's and O's. You can be a, a, a great um, negotiator. You can be any, you can be any of those things. You can be a great offensive mind. You can be a really good defensive minded guy. You need a quarterback to win this league. <clears throat> you need a quarterback to win this league. You do. It, it, it's just it's just proven fact. You need a quarterback to win this league. If you don't have a quarterback to win this league, uh, or you don't if you don't have a quarterback. A star one at that, you're not gonna win big in this league. You're not. Simple as that. You're not. You're not. <laughs> so people are saying, "Oh, New England's gonna be just fine this year." Mm, are they? Are they gonna be just fine? Nah, I don't. I don't think so. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's rocket science. I I don't know why it's rocket. I don't know why. It's really hard for people to put two and two together and like really think. Why? Why? Why do you think the Wings gonna win nine or ten games this year? Why? 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 Why would they? So you know, if I'm wrong, I take the heat. But I don't think I'm gonna be wrong. I, 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 I don't think I'm gonna be wrong, and I don't think it's rocket science. I don't think it's hard for people. I don't think it's hard. You look at the, you, you. You look at history. You need a quarterback. Even Belichick. The division has gotten better. And New England hasn't gotten better. They haven't, they haven't upgraded any of their flaws. They haven't fixed any of their holes. I see a 7-9. and nine. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand on it until the end of the season. Or, to, or until proven otherwise. I see a 7-9 and nine season for the Patriots. 7-9. and nine. So on to another quarterback in the AFC East who I was really high on coming out of college um, and going into the draft. I was really high on this particular quarterback, but I often talk about the coach. I, you know, I just talked about the coach and the quarterback dynamic uh, with New England and how important that is and what they're lacking, and that's why I think that they're going to be a 79. I think that's why they're going to be below 500. Well, it works hand in hand because with a young quarterback, it's much more important for a young quarterback to have a, 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 a better supporting cast. And it seems like just if you can, you can just go down the list and go down the board of just about all of the young premier quarterbacks in the league. Look at all the young and premier quarterbacks in the league. You will be able to see. That they have some, at least one thing working for themselves. Now, not all of them have a perfect situation. Not all of them. Not all of them have a perfect situation or a perfect setup. 
But they have at least one thing going for themselves. And like, if you look, just look at look at um, look at Deshaun Watson. He doesn't have the best coach. His defense is average at best. But he has he, he, Houston has been able to keep good receivers around Deshaun Watson. Mahomes has a great offensive mind. He has great offensive weapons on the outside, and he has a really good old line, and he has really good he has a really good front office. So Mahomes has a lot working for himself. Baker, he has a really good he has a really good crop of receivers and tight ends and running backs. Dak, Dak has you know Dak Dak has been fortunate enough to have a solid old line in front of him to have weapons on the outside. Carson Wentz, even Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, he's had, he's been really fortunate enough to have a really go, good, really good old line in front of him and a really good defense. Jared Goff, he's had really good weapons around him. Just about all of these young quarterbacks have been put in situations where they have a little something going for themselves, just a little. It some is some is greater than some is greater than ever. Like Mahomes and Dak. They have been put in some really good situations. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he's not in the best situation, but Houston, they give him receivers. They keep receivers around him. Look at Lamar Jackson. Great coach. Good O-line. Good front office. Good defense. They they're putting the they're putting the right things around him. Now, if you take a look at Sam, now, Bleach Report, I talked about Baker last week. But, you know, Bleach Report ranked Baker's supporting cast second in the league. Well, Bleach Report ranked Sam Donald's supporting cast as 30th out of 32. The Jets' supporting cast is 30th out of 32. And I kind of feel bad for Sam Donald. I feel bad because I, I had high aspirations for him. And... You know, I'm going I'm to talk about the good because there's some good and there's some light. And I think that's why he's still going to be successful or he's still going to be productive. But this is the reason why Andrew Luck is not playing anymore. Indianapolis went from a 1-15 team to an 11-5, three back-to-back-to-back seat. Like, they had, 11, they had three 11-5 back-to-back-to-back years. The previous year that Andrew Luck... Like the year that Andrew Luck wasn't there, they went one fifteen. They drafted him the following year. The next three years, they went eleven games, and they win playoff games after playoff game after playoff game, and end up in the AFC title game, where they were completely outmatched against New England, and quite frankly, shouldn't have been in that game. <laughs> like they had no, they had no answer for New England. And this is why Andrew Luck is now retired. And now look at that. Look at look at that. Andrew Luck has retired. Indianapolis has a really good roster. You know what Indianapolis is missing right now? They're missing Andrew. They're missing a really good quarterback. A guy like Andrew Luck. They could really use him right now. But Sam Donald, his supporting cast was ranked 30th. His first year, he came into the league. He had... His first coach, when he came into the league, 
has been fired. So he's gone. Tarbo's, you know, he's gone. Tarbo's was, was fired. I don't, I don't know what, but he was fired. Adam Gase gets hired. Adam Gase is the same coach down Miami who was snorting coke. But 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 you know what? I'm not even gonna talk about that. Uh, you know, I'm not even gonna talk about that. I'm not even gonna talk about that. But hey, you know, his his first coordinator, Sam Donald's first coordinator that he got. No, he wasn't Andy Reid. He wasn't he you know, he wasn't a great play caller. Play, play, play caller. His first coordinator, actually, that was his that was his job coming back off of missing eight years. That was his first job coming back missing off eight years. So he missed eight years of football, and he's he's the coordinator of this young rookie quarterback. Not gonna work. Um, his first GM with the Jets. Uh, let's just say, completely incompetent. <laughs> Below average O lines. Weapons. Don't even let, don't don't even let me get started with the weapons that the Jets have have just put in front of or put alongside with Sam Donald. And then the one receiver that he did like, Robbie Anderson, the one receiver that was like a playmaker, Robbie Anderson, the Jets, you know, they didn't keep him. Wasn't that he, and it wasn't that he wasn't like, it wasn't that he was too expensive for the Jets. Just didn't keep him. Sounds like typical Jets. And get this, you know, I, you know, you probably, you probably tired, but get this. In three ga- in the three games that Sam Donald had mono, mono and he didn't play. The three games that he didn't play in, the Jets had a combined 23 points. They had a combined 23 points in three games. Pass rating was 61. The quarterback pass rating for them, 61 in the yards per game. Was a hundred passing yards, ninety nine. <laughs> he comes back. He wins. He 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 comes back. He he goes seven and six. The game that he actually comes back in, he beats the Dallas Cowboys uh, at home. He throws for three sixty with three touchdowns. His last eight starts, he went six and two. So, I, you know, I know Sam Donald. He takes a lot of heat. But I would just say, you know, when, when, you're, when you're talking about Sam Donald and when you're criticizing him and critiquing him, I'm not saying you can't critique him or can't criticize him, but you do, have to, you do have to look at what dysfunction he's been placed in. And I always talk about this. Quarterback, coach, GM. If you have those three, if you have those three, you're going to be fine. Sam Donald has had neither. He's had. He's never. He's he, first head coach got fired. Then they bring him Adam Gase. Not so sold on it. And then first GM incompetent. If you have those three, I typically think you're gonna be fine. I, I, what do I know? I just follow trends. When you have those three in order, when you have those three in place, you're gonna win football games. If you got a competent head coach, if you got a competent front office. And your quarterback, you got a, you got a, 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 a stud at quarterback. You're gonna be fine. That's 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 typically how this league how this league work. And you know, I know, like I said, I know I know Sam Donald catches a lot of heat, but I would just say preference that heat or criticism because 
look at what he has to work with. Look at look at what he has to work with. I I, I mean, if you give 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 Sam Donald Baker weapons, the we, the weapons that Baker has in Cleveland, give Sam Sam Donald those weapons and see how good he is. If you give him the give him those 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 weapons that he has, give him give him those weapons. Let's see how good he is. You gave him two good running backs, two good receivers, two good tight ends. Baker has two of everything. Crazy. And it's not crazy because Cleveland's been, you know, with Baker, doing a, with Baker on a rookie deal, Cleveland has been doing a really good job to put, to put the right pieces around him on offense, and their defense is solid. But the Jets, I think, just speaks, I think this speaks volumes to the Jets because it's like you have a quarterback – we now, I'm not saying Sam Donald's going to be this just all-world quarterback. I'm not saying he's a top-five quarterback. But what I am saying is, well, I don't know what he is because I think he's decent, though. I mean, because given the fact that he went 7-6, seven, he went seven and six, and he, that was his record last year. He went 7-6 and six when he played. In his last eight games, he went 6-2. and two. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe something is there. But we would never know, or we won't find out until we, he puts, or until he, the Jets get the right pieces around him. They drafted O line, but O line, mm, he's a they, they, you know, they they drafting young offensive linemen. But you look at the Jets like schedule to start off the season. The Jets schedule to start the season is hell. I mean, they, so the Jets have a young offensive line, a young improving offensive line. The, the the defenses that they play have really good pass rushers. It's it's going to be hell for Sam Donald. So I, you know, I, I just you know when I say preference the Heat, I'm not saying you know not crit, don't you can't criticize them, but preference it because you got to look at the given circumstances. That's all. Look at the given circumstances. But there may be something there with Sam Donald, and and he may he may very well be a a really a franchise quarterback. Let's just say that he may very well be a franchise quarterback, but we can't really tell fully because the the lack of weapons. I mean, he has nothing. <laughs> he has nothing. <laughs> like it, literally nothing. Like Deshaun Watson, his supporting cast isn't the greatest because I don't like his defense. I don't like his co- his coach Bill O'Brien. He lacks judgment. But at least Deshaun Watson got good receivers. He, at least he got good receivers. Sam Donald has nothing. And you could say he has Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell doesn't fit with Adam Gase like style of play in his system. He doesn't fit and pro- and if I had to guess, I would probably guess that Le'Veon Bell would probably be I think he'd be gone in the next two years. In in the next two years, I think Le'Veon, I think Le'Veon Bell would be I don't think he'd be a jet in the next two years. I don't that's just me. Because I I don't think Le'Veon fits I'm not so sure how big of I'm not so sure on how huge Adam Gase is on Le'Veon. So, you know, I, I catch you guys at this quick break. I, I got one last segment I want to get into. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna give you guys my most my the the sports records that are unbreakable. The most unbreakable sports records. I'm gonna give you guys that. That's gonna be my last segment right after this break. I give you guys. My most unbreakable sports records.
Okay, so I have this is my last segment. Um, so I have the most unbreakable records in sports. The most unbreakable records in sports. Here we go. So one of my most unbreak one of my most unbreakable records in sports. The one, the first one that I'm going to name is uh, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, twenty three gold medals. In the Olympics, uh, yeah, I don't. I, he has twenty eight gold. He has twenty eight medals in total. Michael Phelps has twenty three gold medals. The next closest has nine. I think he's he. Not think he is the most decorated Olympian ever. Uh, I don't think anybody would have twenty three. I don't think nobody comes close to 23 gold medals. Uh, the next one, Wilt. Wilt's 55 rebound game. Uh, Wilt has a couple of these records that I don't think nobody will touch. Uh, I, I have another one of one of I have another one of Wilt's records in this list. Um, <laughs> uh, you probably already know what it is. What it is. But Wilt having 55 rebounds in one game is crazy and utterly ridiculous. I don't think nobody nobody in the league even gets close to 30 nowadays. And now all of the bigs, you know, in today's game, the guys shoot further shots. They shoot they shoot their shots much more farther. So the rebound since the since the shot is from a far distance, the rebounds are far distance as well, and that's how guards are calculating so many more rebounds uh, than guards 20 years ago or 30 years ago because shots are being shot, jumpers are being shot from a longer distance, and guards are able to get those long rebounds. So I, um, I, don't, think, I don't think that's going to be broken. Uh, now, you can say what you want about the steroid era in, in the MLB and how much you don't like it. Uh, I tend to think that Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he uh, started juicing up, before he started taking, you know, pumping up and starting taking air steroids. If you go look at Barry Bonds' career, Barry Bonds was a, was a Hall of Famer well before he started taking steroids. But no matter how you feel in the steroids thing, uh, I think he should be a Hall of Famer, but a record that I don't think both his records I don't think that I don't think it's gonna be broken. Seven hundred and sixty-two home runs. I don't think it's gonna be broken. Seven hundred and sixty-two home runs. Now I would like to give a I would like to give a shout out to Hank Aaron, uh, who has just he has seven fifty-five. So shout out to Hank Aaron because you know he didn't take roids, but. Uh, Burry Bonds, 762 home run record. I don't think it can be broken. And his 73 home runs in one single season, I don't think it's going to be broken. 73 home runs in one I don't think it can be broken. ML, the MLB, can, they, can, they can juice every ball up if they want. They can, they can juice the ball. It won't matter. I don't think I don't think I don't think no players getting close to 700. I don't think no players getting close to 73 home runs in one single season. I don't think so. Uh, the next one, R Wayne Gretzky, 
Wayne Gretzky's 2,857 career points. Nobody is topping that in hockey. No, nobody. I, I, don't, I don't care. Nobody is topping that. Wayne Gretzky's 2,857 points, career points. I don't think nobody's. I don't think nobody's topping that one. Uh, Wayne Gretzky speaks for itself. Um, <clears throat> another one, Jerry Rice. He's and get this, Jerry Rice is the greatest greatest receiver of all time. Jerry Rice. He <laughs> he leads every receiver in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna focus on his touchdown record. 197 receiving touchdowns. I don't think it's going to be done again. Um, the, as far as the active players that's playing now, Larry Fitzgerald has 77. At the pace Larry Fitzgerald is going, he will have to play until he's 47 to catch up to Jerry Rice. He will have to literally play until he is 47 to catch up to Jerry Rice. I just think with the way, I, even though, even though back then in the eighties and nineties, we, we now we throw the football a lot more. So some I know, I know one person will probably argue, oh, somebody's gonna beat that one day. Well, yes, okay, we we, we throw the ball more now, but I don't think there's gonna be one receiver. That's as much as a focal point of an offense as Jerry as, as Jerry Rice was for two teams, not just the 49ers, but for the Raiders as well on the back end of his career. I don't think there's going to be a receiver that's going to be able to play that long. Also, the money is just so much better now. I don't think players would play that long. Also, like I said, I don't think there's going to be a, I don't think there's going to be a receiver. That's as much as a focal point of an offenses or two offenses as Jerry Rice was for the Raiders and and 49ers. I don't think so. And you know, let's see how how old is Larry Fitzgerald? How old is he? He's 36. Larry Fitzgerald will have to play 11 more years. He will have to play 11 more years. To catch up to Jerry Rice. And Larry Fitzgerald been in the league for how long? He's been in the league 2020. This would be he's entering his 16th year. He will have to play ele- he will have to play eleven more years to catch up to, 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 to catch up to Randy. I mean to catch up to Jerry Rice all time receiving touchdowns record. Plus, he has the most touchdowns of all time. With 207. That's not including quarterbacks, by the way. <clears throat> that, 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 that's pretty big. I don't think, I don't think nobody's going to catch that. I don't think nobody's going to catch that one. I have another one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 26 consecutive losses. From 1976 to 1977. I don't think a team would ever be that bad again. There's so much parity in the league. Players are so much better. I don't think a team's going to be that bad again where they lose 26 consecutive games. I don't think so. Any given Sunday, 
And I know, you know, you, everybody likes to say records are meant to be broken, but these aren't going to be broken, I don't think. I don't think these are going to be broken. 26 consecutive losses? Nah, that's not happening. That, 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 that's not happening. Um, and then I have also Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. Yeah, Kobe came close to 80. He had 81. He was 19 points away. Uh, I don't think nobody going to. And, and, and that was with the three-point line. Wilt didn't have a three-point line. Wilt didn't have a three-point line. Um, Kobe came close. He had 81. He is the closest. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think nobody. Nobody's going to break Wilt Chamberlain's uh, record. His, nah, not 100 points a game. No. Nah, nobody's going to break that. And then last but not least, last but certainly not least, the Iron Man record. Kyle Ripken Jr. plays in, in 2,632 consecutive games. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen in baseball either. It's a lot, it's a lot of baseball records uh, that, just jump, that, that, just won't be re- that, that just won't be broken. It's a lot of baseball records out there. And I think that is probably the one that is, that's not going to be broken. The Iron Man record, Kyle Ripken uh, plays in 2,632 consecutive games. Uh, nah, I don't see it. I don't think they. I don't think it could be broken. Um, thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode of the IKP, Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 129. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed this. Keep listening. Keep tuning in. It's my graduation week. I'm sure it's many of you guys' graduation weeks, as, you know, to the class of 2020. I'm sure it's, uh, it's, it's some people have already graduated or are still awaiting their graduation or their graduation week is this week as well. So thank you guys and uh, congratulations to those guys and to us. Um, and I see you people, I see you guys, um, I see you guys later in the week. How about that? I see you guys later in the week. I'm going to enjoy my graduation week. I catch you guys um, after, yeah, I catch you guys later. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I see you guys on the next episode. I'm just kidding. I see you guys on the next episode. Deuces. Peace is gone. Audi.
All right, see y'all. We out. <laughs>